1: is something that happens in life, it happens in sports, and I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively.
0: This is where sports talk gets real.
1: That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello everybody, I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs and welcome to our show here from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. Exploring the world of sports psychology, we talk about your mind, your attitude, your focus, sportsmanship, parent-coach relationships, athlete-coach relationships, how you deal with confidence, what do you do if you have a bad attitude, what if your team's not playing well, what if your mind is not there. You know, I am completing my 30th year on radio today, and I want to thank the management at WHB for allowing me to be here. I'm in my 20th year here. And looking forward to starting the 31st year next week. Our shows are rebroadcast throughout the country in a number of cities. they are podcasted everywhere. You can always listen to my podcast on my website, winnersunlimited.com. We've got about nine years of podcasts on there, and I think you would enjoy listening to a lot of those very good shows because we talk about the whole mental side of sports. And really, this is the only sports psychology show, weekly show in the country where I try to bring up topics that affect us each and every week. I've been privileged to be in my 41st year of work, as I said, doing this. I've I've worked with athletes all over the country. I've spent time with professional teams, the Olympic team, college teams, high school teams, youth sports, and I love doing what I do because what I do is I, I try to help people accomplish their goals and be the best they can be. And I've met some great people along the way. I've met some very interesting people along the way. And I've met some very strange people along the way. Let's put it that way. Because when you're dealing with sports, you get the gamut. And being that it's our last show of 2021, I wanted to talk about what I think the biggest topic from my perspective has been this year. And we could talk about COVID-19. We could talk about all those things. And we'll, we'll get into that. But I want to talk about what came out this year more than ever before. And it's something I've talked about forever on this show. And that is the role of mental health in sports. You know, over the last few years, we've seen some very prominent athletes, starting really with Kevin Love, Cleveland Cavaliers having an anxiety attack in a game, not knowing what was going on, being taken into the locker room then to the hospital. Before they figured out there was nothing physically wrong with him, but he was having an anxiety attack. He's become a big proponent of mental health—the mental health aspect of sports. Then you had Michael Phelps coming out, maybe the most prominent Olympian ever, talking about all the issues he's had. And you've seen the ads on TV for an app called Talkspace, where you can get on with a therapist. He's promoted that a lot. But this year, we've seen it more pronounced than ever. Starting with Naomi Osaka at the French Open. Withdrawing from the competition. Basically saying she didn't want to talk to the reporters anymore. She needed to deal with her mental health. And then mostly the most prominent topic person to bring it up was Simone Biles at the Olympics where she withdrew from competing until the the last event where she, she did the vault with the team event because she didn't feel right. She had what you call the twisties and I've worked with gymnasts my whole career starting in grad school and When you're running down that vault runway, hitting that vault board, springing out over the vault force, if you don't feel right physically and mentally together, you better not do it because you could break your neck. You could die. And there was a gymnast from Kansas City who that happened to. She broke her neck and died years ago. So she withdrew. And what blew my mind was the criticism she got from people about being a loser, being a quitter. There's one guy with a podcast who called her a sociopath. Well, in psychological jargon, that's called a projection where you say something about somebody else you mean about yourself. Simone Biles is anything but a sociopath. That young lady had more guts than that guy probably ever has. And then what happened from that? As we found out Simone Biles was a victim of Larry Nassar. I think one of the most tragic stories I've ever seen in sports has been that scenario in gymnastics. All the young gymnasts, over 100, that were physically and mentally abused by Larry Nassar And all that's come out. So this has been the year of mental health and spills. It's important, maybe more than ever before. If you've listened to this show, and you know I talk about this a lot, my great-uncle, Hurst Jacobs, was the winningest trainer in horse racing history when he passed away in 1970. He was my grandfather's brother, one of my grandfather's nine siblings, and Uncle Hirsch and I, I loved Uncle Hershey, was very nice to me, took me to the racetrack when we go back to visit, took me there early in the morning. Within one week, I spent a week with them, and they took me every morning to the track between seventh and eighth grade, and it really impacted me. One day he told me a quote that his son Tommy has repeated for me, sports is the greatest theater in the world, everyone knows their part, but no one knows what will happen. Nothing could be more true about sports than that. You know, we've got the NFL winding down, getting close to the playoffs. We don't know who's, we know a couple teams are in already. A couple teams probably will be getting in this weekend. We don't know what's going to happen because, in part, you've got COVID 19 that's affecting sports now more than it has maybe at any point. Outside of last year when everything's canceled. Every day you hear more and more players who are testing positive. Now, thankfully, what we are hearing is that basically they're all okay. They're just dealing with the virus. Not getting super sick. Some are getting a little sick, but not very sick from what I hear. And some of the players I know have told me they're they're okay. Just a little, little minor flu symptoms is what the... the Guys I've talked to have said. So we've had all these issues going on. I like to say when you have two athletes who are physically the same, the one with a stronger mind will be the one who'll come out on top. So how do you have a stronger mind? What do you have to do to deal with it? it has to do with preparation, focus, attitude, confidence, all those things. So I would like to open up our phone lines today. And I'd like to hear from you if you're listening to the show. I'd like to hear from you about how you feel mental health has played a role in sports. How has it played a role in your athletic life? If you're a coach, you're an athlete, you're a competitor, you're a fan, you're a parent, you're an official. How has the psychological side affected you? How have you dealt with this year, which has probably been one of the most bizarre years in sports we've ever seen with all the things going on. How important do you feel psychology, the psychological aspect of sports is? How's it played a role for you? Have you been depressed? Have you been stressed? Have you been anxious? Have you not had games canceled or competitions canceled because of the virus or just because of how you're feeling? I'd love to hear from you. So, Give me a call. And let's talk. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
0: This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
1: Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and this is our final show of 2021, as I Finished my 30th consecutive year on radio, my 20th year at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Looking forward to starting year number 31 next week as we move on into 2022. And I love doing this show every week because we talk about your mind, your attitude, your focus, those types of things that affect us on and off the sports field. And as I mentioned, I've been doing this a long time. When I started work, I went to grad school at the California School of Professional Psychology in San Diego, trained under a professor named Dr. Robert Nidefer in what was really the first sports psychology training program in the country, and got the privilege to meet Dr. Bruce Ogilvy, who was the premier sports psychologist in the country, one of the, along with Dr. Tom Tutko, they wrote a book called, I think it was called Sports Psyching, San Jose State University, and he used to come down to San Diego and meet with us, and, uh... I I knew that was where I wanted to go in in psychology, working with athletes, because nobody really did it. And I moved back here to Kansas City and started my practice. And And I remember I interviewed at four of the local colleges to work. And the athletic director at one of these colleges, who I remember wore a cape, said after talking for about 15 minutes, son, thank you for coming, but we don't believe in hocus pocus and witchcraft. I'm like looking at this guy and I just let, thank you, sir, and left. And I was like, I don't believe in hocus pocus and witchcraft. When I moved back, I stopped at Olympic Training Center and interviewed and met with one of the assistant sports medicine directors. And he told me they didn't need any Ph.D. types running around telling them that was wrong with their athletes. I got hired there nine months later. Sports psychology has grown and developed and is now not totally, but accepted as a big part of sports. You're seeing the importance of professional teams having a clinician on staff. This isn't to work with necessarily performance enhancement things like how you focus under pressure, what do you, how do you shoot a free throw when the pressures on the, or catch a ball or swing a bat or you know swim as hard as you can. It talks about athletes as people because you know what athletes are people. In 1990, I got hired as one of the first full-time sports psychologists in baseball at the Kansas City Royals. John Sherholz had the vision and the belief to do it, thanks to owner Ewan Kaufman and manager John Watham. They allowed me to work with the team, and it was a great year, even though the general manager who replaced John Sherholtz didn't want to rehire me because he thought it looked bad to have a psychologist there. What I'm trying to get at is the mental side of sports has grown, in importance and in its, I think, necessity to be part of what goes on. You know, normally my producer is Blake Schneider's, but he decided to take the holidays off gallivanting around the country somewhere. So the dean of all the people who work here, the Drake, has gotten up early this morning to join us. He's running the board. Now, you and I have known each other a long time. You've been involved in sports forever. You've been working here forever. I think did do you, did you did you for, put the first breakdown in the first building that was built for? WHO? No,
2: no, no, no. I, I wasn't there. Wasn't there that early?
1: Okay, it was the second day you came. Anyway, um, this topic of mental health and sports. Do you see how it's become a, a major part now of what goes on, and it's not looked at as a weakness and a sign of? Insecurity and something that's bad, but something that's strong to recognize and deal with, how you feel?
2: Absolutely. And I I think, you know, one of the aspects that most people don't – it doesn't come to the top of mind when they think about it. You know, they're thinking about what you were talking about, focusing and, you know, not letting the the last shot uh, dictate what happens in the next shot. But I think a a lot of it would really have to do with being able to separate the bad stuff that happens on the field – and home and the bad stuff that happens at home and what's going to be happening on the field and, and keeping those two things separate so that if you know if some like here if I have a bad day at work and I and I get home you know I got to be able to set it aside and you know enjoy my family I would think that in sports there's even more pressure and you know you, you have a bad game you take that home you have a bad home life that makes that's a never-ending cycle
1: I would think that's a that's a part of what people don't see it is you hit it right on the head and you know I once had a professional athlete with the team I was working with who came to my room at 2 o'clock in the morning with a loaded gun, came into my room and wanted to kill himself because his wife was having an affair. And we talked it out and worked through it. And fortunately for him, they worked out their relationship and things got better as they had some little kids. And he talked to me every day for about three straight weeks. Nobody knew about it. No one will ever know who that was. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, I don't care if you're the greatest athlete in your sport. You're still a person. And how you handle your emotions is so important. Your relationships are so important. You know, the advent of social media, which, as you and I both know, has tremendous benefits for everybody at the same time has it has the dark side to it and one of the things i tell the professional and a lot of college athletes that i work with is get off of it you know if you have to have you know something on there let somebody else monitor it for you because if you miss a kick or drop a ball or miss a shot strike out or lose People come out of the woodwork and tell you what a terrible person you are and all this just just awful stuff. And, you know, I'll say to them, do you know these people? Because I've had some people, some of these guys, come, and, and women, male and female, do you know these people are? No. Well, then why are you listening to them? Oh, they can't really give me a good answer on that. What's your thought on that? And we're, we're in social media. We're on the radio. Oh, Our shows, or sure. podcasts. It shows podcasts. So oh, do you sure. Think? And, you know, we, we hear
2: it here. You know uh, somebody we, we have a guest who says who has an opinion and you know maybe it's a guest we've only had once and they 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 have an opinion and and now somebody's gonna hate the radio station forever and we're horrible people for having this guest on and it's the the, the need the, the social media seems to amplify knee-jerk reactions like nothing I've ever seen and people will just lay out they will go all hyperbolic with their opinions and just, you know, splatter them all over another person they've never met. And it's it's horrible, I think.
1: Well, a lot of that because I, what I see from a psychological perspective is a lot of these people are insecure because they're living their lives through the athletes. So one of the things I tell the athletes to do, I have a circle graph. It's like an archery target has four circles. And I have them write down the people in their life and the center circle or the core are the most important people in their life. The second circle are people who are important but not the most important people. The third circle are people they have to deal with day in and day out, aren't really important one way or the other to them. And the fourth circle are people who aren't important. And when they fill that out, I ask, who do you really focus on? It should be the people in the middle. If you're focusing on the people outside, you're setting yourself up for trouble. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHBS, our last show of 2021. I'd love to hear from you. I'm talking about the role of mental health in sports. If you're an athlete, you're a parent, you're a coach, you're an official, you're a fan, how important is the mental side of sports to you, and what kind of an effect does it have on you? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This
0: is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
1: Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. It's our last show of 2021, finishing my 30th consecutive year on radio. Wow, I can't. That blows my mind. I've been doing this a long time. Started back in 1992. And uh, to be honest with you, my goal, I'd love to be on radio 50 years. If I can survive 20 more years, I just, my birthday is in two days. I'll be 67. And uh, that blows my mind, too graduated high school fifty years ago next spring and I will give a little plug out for my alma mater, Shawnee Mission North, formerly the home of the Indians, after for ninety nine years, now the home of the bison. uh, I still don't get that one. But anyway, I love doing this show because we talk about mindsets and how you feel. And I'm talking about the importance this past year of the role of mental health in sports. And Throughout my career, one of the things I've talked about and and discussed and worked with so many people on is is the whole area of youth sports. If you listen to the show, you know I'm co-author of a book with Kansas City Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery and USA Swimming Hall of Fame coach Peter Malone entitled Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports. That book was written because of the pressures on kids the pressures on youth parents the pressures on coaches and the angst that goes on and, and it started when the, the the premise behind the book came from an article i read in time about 7 years ago 8 years ago about an AAU national basketball tournament for second graders where the coach from the team from New York was interviewed after they lost in the quarterfinals the author of the article wanted to, to go to this tournament because his son was in second, going to be in second grade. I thought it would be great to bring his son along and see what how it would work. Well, the coach of the New York team, these are second graders, was screaming and yelling in the locker room after they lost, degrading the kids and saying, you guys play a bunch of blanks. I'm coaching you like you're 14-year-olds. And when I read that, I said, "I can't deal with this anymore. I got to write something," so that's where that book came from. Well, they weren't fourteen-year-olds; they're were second graders, so they're what seven, eight years of years of age. You don't coach seven, eight-year-olds like you're fourteen. And so we wrote that book, and it's still out there. It's on Amazon. It's on my website. Just let them play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. And it's a good book. I, I, yeah, I wrote it. Co wrote it, but it's a good book because it talks about all this stuff. Youth sports is the foundation for everything that happens when you get up to college and the pros. If you make it to college, I tell people today, you survive youth sports because of all the wacky stuff going on. You know, now I mentioned my age will be 67 in a couple of days. Back when I grew up, and that, I know that sounds sort of corny. It's when I, back when I grew up. Yeah, I'm an old guy. Anyway, but when I grew up, you played baseball in the summer, football in the fall, basketball in the winter, and you sprinkled in some other things. Now, if you want to play any of those sports, you have to play it year-round if you want to play by the time you get to middle school. If you want to play in your middle school team, you've got to play year-round. If, God forbid you make your high school team, you have to play year-round, take private lessons, probably talk to nutritionist, psychologists, Physiologists, it's gotten to the point that youth sports is, is become this gigantic business, and the pressures on kids today are greater than ever. To win, okay, Drake, do you agree with me on that, or do you do you do you see that you've got kids, oh, yeah. you've 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 been here forever, you know what I'm getting at? Yeah,
2: you know? the 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 pressure is you know out, outrageous. Um, even even in sport adjacent things, I had a I had a son. Who played trumpet in the marching band, and you know he was told first thing, if you want to do this, you're going to have to take private trumpet lessons and by the way, I teach them
1: <laughs> well at least he didn't you didn't have to pay for, it. or did right. your son pay you
2: <laughs> so there's i mean it's such an interesting you know you you want to tell your kids if you want to be good at this you you need to focus and you know put all your effort into it. But some things you just you just got to be able to enjoy and and learn the game so that you can enjoy it as a as a even more as a spectator, as an adult. And, you know, pass it along and, and share it with your kids and and not start to dread it. Well, you just
1: hit on the key word fun. Okay, why do we play sports? It's supposed to be fun. Now, if you're a professional, it's your job, it's your profession, but it still needs to be fun. But in youth sports, I feel very strongly that there's so much emphasis now on winning and being, you know, winning the championship and coming in first place, that the emphasis on enjoyment has gone out the window for a lot of people. And I hear it all the time. I've got a, a young person coming in to see me right now, a teenager whose whose dad yelled and screamed at him when he wouldn't do well. Criticized him. Because he didn't perform well in a sport. Well, it wasn't like he tried to screw up. Losing and failure are part of sports, part of life. It's part of sports. And that's why in our book, and, and Jeff Montgomery and, and Pete Malone got it. That's why I asked them to co-write that with me. It When, when you're playing sports as a kid, number one, you should play it because you want to play it and you want to enjoy it. And... It's a learning process. It's a lear- It's a learning process about confidence. It's a learning process about teamwork, about attitudes, about getting along with people. My first professional job was working at the University of Kansas with the, with the track teams, which extended to work with the, the entire athletic department except for the football team, because the coach at the time said he didn't believe in psychology. And so I didn't work with them. And by the way, they lost all the time, too, and he didn't last very long. But I got to spend some time working with the basketball team coached by Larry Brown. And Larry Brown, I've shared this story on this show dozens of times, said something that really stuck with me. He said, kids should play a team sport and in an individual sport at growing up. They should play an individual sport because it teaches them about self-confidence, about building their own self-esteem up. But they should play a team sport to learn about sharing, working together, and getting along in communication with athletes and coaches. He hit it right on the head. But today if you play youth baseball at 9 years of age and you want to play make your play on your let, me, let let's take basketball since it's about winter now. You play youth basketball, you're say 10 or 11, you probably take lessons. You're probably you you may start up on a rec team. This is the way it goes, Drake, right? You start on a rec team in your grade school. You might play on that and play 12-16 games during the during the winter. But then if you start being pretty good, you're going to be promoted to a club team or a traveling team. And then you go to two or three practices a week. Then you've got games on the weekends and sometimes traveling games. And then you take private lessons from a private coach, shooting lessons, working, you know. And then you may start working with a physical trainer on your conditioning. And so then the money comes into play, right? And then what happens to parents? Their focus starts to go where? On
2: what they're spending and how much it costs.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of people can't do that. So, you know, youth sports has gotten to the point now where the fun aspect for many people has gone out of it. And I think we need to implement more fun and enjoyment before the score matters. Now, when should the score matter? Everybody's, oh, the score should always matter. Well, okay, yeah, it matters. But really... Before you're in middle school, junior high, I don't think it should matter. I think it should be more about, did you have fun today? What'd you learn about yourself? Did you get better? Yeah, it's a bummer you guys lost, that's that's too bad. But what'd you learn about yourself? How's that gonna help you? Because moving on in life, we're all gonna screw up and make mistakes. And the foundation's laid and how we deal with it. You said you're some with the trumpet. It's the Same thing, band, debate, the arts, it's the same stuff. And that's why I think now how you learn about Success and failure, winning and losing, becomes more important forever if you're a child or a middle schooler or a high schooler. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, finishing my 30th year on radio today. Love to hear from you. talking about the role of mental health in sports and why it's important. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
0: This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
1: Good morning, everybody. Happy holidays to you. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week on our leader in sports, Sports Radio 10 WHB. As I mentioned, our shows are podcasted all over. You can listen to the podcast on my website, winnersunlimited.com, W-I-N-N-E-R-S, unlimited.com, or on any of the major podcast networks. And, you know, I always encourage people to, to get some people to listen to these shows because I said we're, we're maybe the only regular sports psychology show on the radio every week that's podcasted. And as we wrap up 2021, finishing my 30th year on radio, consecutive year on radio here, last 20 here at Sports Radio 810 WHB, today's topic has been the whole issue of mental health and sports and why I think this year it came to the forefront. It came to the forefront in part because I think we've realized now more than ever It doesn't matter if you're a politician, you're an athlete, you're an artist, you're a teacher, you're a janitor, you deliver the newspaper, you run the board at a radio station, whatever you do, you're a human being and you've got to deal with your feelings and emotions. And I think we've seen more so than ever now before, than before, why the psychological side of sports is important. Athletes are people. I mentioned earlier that uh, I worked with the Kansas City Royals back, I've worked with them a couple times, but at one of the full, first full-time sports college in baseball in 1990 with the Royals. And I was there every day, had a locker in the locker room, and got to know some great people. Uh, Tom Gordon, who was in his second year at the team, Pitched for 20 years, had the Major League record for 54 saves in a row, is one of my closest friends now, one of the best people I've ever known. Great human being and somebody who really understands why mental health is important with sports. He works with lots of young baseball players down in Florida. Raised two, two young men, DeVaris and Nick, who both played Major League Baseball. I got to know George Brett. The Hall of Fame great athlete who I admire immensely. I got to know Bo Jackson, probably the the arguably the, the greatest athlete of modern times. People used to ask me, "What's it, what's it like to be around Bo Jackson?" I said, "Well, it's just the same as being around you." He's a person. Yeah, but it's Bo Jackson. I said, "Yeah, but you know he eats, he he drinks water, he works out, he gets dressed, he sleeps, he does you know everything we do. He's a person." And quite frankly, that's when it really hit me more than ever, why you put these athletes on these pedestals and you think they're superhuman. I know growing up, all, all of us who are adults now grew up probably having idols, a sports idol. For me, it was Otis Taylor, wide receiver to Kansas City Chiefs back in the 60s and 70s. And I had the privilege to have Otis Taylor on this show. And... It it was so cool to interview a guy I, I looked up to as a kid. Another one's Willie Lanier in the Hall of Fame. Otis Taylor should be in the Hall of Fame, by the way, in my opinion. Willie Lanier, one of the best, greatest middle linebackers ever to play football, has been on the show before. The other one I looked up to, wonderful man, and he's got a great perspective. Athletes have feelings, emotions. They've got to deal with everything all of us have to deal with, but they've got that added pressure of being in the public spotlight of what they say, what they do, is judged and evaluated by everybody. So, Drake, let me ask you. You've been here forever. You've been in in sports your whole life. Do you think that mental health and sports now, and it's not totally where it needs to be, but do you feel that topic is now being... More accepted than ever before. I mean, I've been on this station for twenty years.
2: Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I think mental health itself, for a long, long time, had a stigma that uh, you know, if you were having mental health issues, there was something wrong with you. You were weak. You're yeah. a weak person. Exactly. And then, and then that that got extended into into sports. Well, you're just playing a game. And if you are having mental health issues, well, you're just playing a game. There's really something wrong with you. And no, like you said, that human beings and human beings. You know, we, my wife is uh, is is fond of saying, you know, we're all weird, you know, nobody's normal, you know. We, well, we, now we, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> we, we've do you want to have a session about that? <laughs> we, we've all got we've all got little quirks, and we've all got uh, we've all got you know weights that we're carrying, and and they're all different, uh, but we've all got them.
1: Well, we're all reflections of three things: our genetics, which we can't do anything about; the way we're raised, which we can't do anything about; and where we are now, which we can do everything about. But the way we're raised, and that's why we're talking about this, has such an impact on how we handle success, failure, winning, losing, relationship, things like that. And sports, youth sports in and of itself, is such a great foundation. Well, youth activities, not just sports, but as you said, your son plays the, play the trumpet, band, debate, whatever. It sets a foundation. You know, one of the best stories I've ever heard in sports was of an Olympic snowboarder who was a, a medal winner. I can't remember his name. But when he was born, when he was, when he was a, an infant and a toddler, his uncle lived with them and put him on the top of the refrigerator and had him crawl and fall off. But he'd always catch him before he hit the ground. So he had no fear. He, it was a great, it was this great interview. He said, I'm not afraid of falling. If I fall, whatever. You know, he, he taught him not to be afraid. And I think what too many youth sport coaches do is they scare kids by getting angry at them when they fail or screw up. I've talked about it on this show many times. I've got a young a young lady who's been a client. She's now a high school athlete when she was in 8th grade playing summer softball between 7th and 8th grade. She got two hits, and then playing first base, the ball went through her legs. The coach kicked the bucket, knocked the bats and the helmets off the rack, pulled her out of the game, yelled at her and said, You're out of the game. You can't make that play. You're not playing. Sat on the bench and cried. Her parents, who... Fortunately, didn't go down and attack the coach because they wanted to. She looked at him, and they just sort of said, calm down, calm down. You know, after the game, they went up. To, the dad went up to him and said, we need to talk. We're going to talk tomorrow. We're not talking today because it's not going to accomplish anything today. The next day, they met for coffee, and the dad told him, point blank, my daughter is done with your team. He said, you, if fortunately, we're taking her to see and talk with someone. And we're not quitters, but she's quitting this team because what you did was verbal abuse. And if you ever do that to anybody else again, I would love to represent them because I'm an attorney. I mean, you don't let your ego, if you're a youth sport coach, get in the way of what's going on. I always like to say a good coach checks his or her ego at the door. So all this talk this year about psychology and mental health, it starts with kids. It starts with like I said, fun. It needs Sports needs to be about fun. And if we teach kids, you're going to fail, you're going to strike out, you're going to miss a shot, you're going to miss a kick, whatever it might be. And not that it's okay, but that it is okay. Because you tried. You're not always going to make it. But what would you learn? Why would you miss it? How do you get better? That's what I work with professional athletes on. And in 41 years of doing it, it works. Get your thought on that.
2: Oh, absolutely. And the best coaches I ever had were the ones that, you know, at the beginning, it's, it's, it's basics and it's effort and it's a good time. And once once we've got the basics and we're having fun and everybody's showing effort, well, you know what, then we're going to add another layer. And then we're going to, you know, we're going to teach this skill. And once, once you've got this skill, then I'm going to expect to see that. And then by the time we were 17, 18 years old and, you know, adults then some things were expected from us and, and those with those were my favorite coaches
1: you know you're you're right and and I think the key thing is this with, with if you're a youth sport coach I talked about this earlier if you're a high school coach I talked about this earlier this fall take a practice one day where you don't practice take a practice where you sit down with your team and talk and let them talk how are you doing how are you feeling how are things going how are you handling you know, wearing masks. How are you handling them, dealing with the virus? How are the things at school? Just talk. You know, a good coach is a psycholo- a good coach is a good psychologist, a bad coach needs a sports psychologist. I love saying that. And I think if you're a good coach, sometimes you need to not go through the X's and O's and you need to just sit there and let your athletes talk about how they're doing. This has been the last twenty two months since this virus started in February of, of last year. Such a stressful time for everybody. It's been difficult for all of us. You know, here at the radio station, there's a big piece of plexiglass between me and the other side of the the table here where guests would talk. So there's a barrier up now. It's a glass barrier. You can see through it, but there's still a barrier. We've got all these barriers up. We need to break them down. And that's what's going to get us better. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please encourage people to listen to it. This is the end of my 30th year on radio. I'll be starting number 31 next Sunday. Our shows are rebroadcast around the country. There are podcasts everywhere. If you go to my website, winnersunlimited.com, you'll find them there. Love to hear from you. A lot of ways to reach me. My phone number is 816-561-5556. My website is winnersunlimited.com. Send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Stay safe. Talk with your family. Give everybody a hug. Have a great holiday. Talk to you next year on our next show.
2: This is the Sports Psychology Hour.